0: So I think the key difference between a a, a story and anything else that's plain is really about the emotions that it triggers, that connects with you, that you feel that you're part of it, right? I think a good storyteller is able to bring someone on a journey where it's not just telling their personal story, but bring you through a journey where through my lens, you can see yourself, you know, and you really feel that someone understands me.
1: Hi, this is Eric here and you're listening to Hashtag Highly Sought After. Do you want to know how to sell your products and services without sounding salesy? Or do you want to know how to stand out from your competition and become memorable to your dream clients? And if the answer is yes, you would love this interview because my guest will share with you how to craft stories that sell and build your brand. His name is Sam Neo, a trusted advisor to well-known companies like Samsung, L'Oreal, Prudential through his employer branding consultancy firm. People Mentality, Inc., which was recognized as one of Apex's top 10 HR and employer branding consultancy firms. Sam also runs Stories of Asia, an incubator he launched to empower the Asian community to find their unique voices through storytelling. And more recently, he launched StoryBuddy, an AI-powered storytelling tool to make storytelling more accessible. So if you want to sell more and sell easily without sounding salesy, Listen to this interview. Yo, Sam, thank you so much for coming to our studio. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm going to put you on a test, okay? If your life is a movie, what would be the title?
0: <laughs> if my life was a movie, I'll probably call it S.A.M.
1: S- oh, oh, S.A.M. smart because it's Sam. But let me explain why. Okay, go.
0: So, SAM can mean a lot of things, mm. which captures my whole journey, right? So, I, I like to use this pun to say that, you know, SAM stands for Slim Asian Men. <laughs> so, when you look at me, you can remember the Slim Asian Man over there, right? But I started off with a very simple, slim Asian man to become someone who started a movement.
2: Cool.
0: All right. So, starting PMI, People Mentality, Inc., was actually started because it, it was really about movement. It wasn't about business. It was about me feeling frustrated that HR was seen as a second-tier function um, It was seem like a dumping ground, basically. Like I always say, you know, so you know, corporate example was like you come make it in ops, you come make it in marketing, cop comps, try HR. If not, you're out. You know, kind of thing. Gosh. So that's where I felt that you know why is my profession being seen as a second tier function, and I wanted to do more, right? So hence that was that was what kind of prompted me to come a corporate world mm. to start people mentality in to show that hey, if someone like Sam can do something beyond what people think HR can do, the rest of HR can do better as well. That was kind of what started my entrepreneurship journey. So Sam for you, yeah.
1: Okay, so yeah, backstory, right?
0: You were in HR, yep. And how do you end up doing employer branding? So I got to go back to my university days where I was studying marketing in HR. So I started wanting to do marketing, like a brand manager of sort, to manage brands, manage products. I thought it was pretty cool. Yep. So I always wanted to work for companies like Nike because they were very known for all these advertisements and stuff. Like that. Yeah. But somehow opportunity didn't come, and I was I chanced upon an opportunity to do an internship in a HR role, basically. Mm. That was in my second year, I believe. Then because of that, I realized that HR is a lot more purposeful than most people think. Mm. Most people assume that HR, I mean, what what's the impression of HR actually? Uh,
1: human resource, manage people, pay us on time.
0: <laughs> so it's always about payroll, yes. recruitment Correct. and things like that. Correct. But because of that, I realized that HR is a lot more than just all this, you know, operational stuff. And one of my supervisors shared this with me that, you know, why he finds it so purposeful is because every time he gives someone an opportunity, for example, let's say he's sitting on a fence, right? Should I hire? Should not hire? But eventually give a go for this person. This person five years down the road, for example, come back and say, hey, thank you so much back then for giving me this opportunity. And because of that, I became successful and stuff. It's a very heartwarming thing, even though it sounds really small. Mm. But I think that sense of purpose satisfaction is something that keeps HR people going. Mm. It's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't realize. Mm. But that's where the purpose is compared to, for example, marketing. I mean, no discredit to marketing folks. I'm doing marketing as well, right? (laughs) I mean, a lot of things are more like fireworks kind of thing, where it's really glam, really good, but it's for the moment. Whereas I felt that HR is a bit more long-lasting. Mm. You're making an impact to someone's career, someone's life even, you know, mm. through the opportunity, through the engagement itself. So I think that's where it started my journey as a HR person. Mm. So why HR to employee branding? I think it was kind of by chance where after I started my business, where I started off wanting to do everything, right, within HR and I couldn't find a niche. So I started off as this millennial HR thought leader, HR consultant, right? Because everyone comes to me, hey, you're a millennial, talk about HR. Can I invite you to talk about millennial topics basically? Yes. Along the way, I realized that it's not really a topic I'm very passionate about, mm. but because it helps get a foot in the door, so I Correct. just went with it first, right? right? Then I started thinking, you know, I need to create a brand for myself that's sustainable, mm. that's a bit more evergreen, right? Mm. Rather than like a like a fad. So hence, I was thinking constantly what fits my my persona, what fits my skill set, what is a market need essentially, and that's where employee branding came from the fact that I did marketing, I did HR, combined together, it's basically HR marketing essentially, right? Mm. So that's where employer branding came. And along the way I realized that I have a strong passion for it because I think along the way I enjoy storytelling, engaging people, helping people to tell the the behind-the-scenes stories where people don't know what's happening, to engage people internally, externally. So that's where, long story short, the employer branding angle came after about two and a half years or so, I would say. You tease
1: out a lot of key topics. And of course, today's interview is about storytelling, right? So would you say that in a nutshell, employer branding, it's about promoting a company? to potential candidates so that they want to join a company?
0: I think that's the one, one element of employer branding. Mm. And that's a misconception that most people think about that employee branding is just external facing. It's just for hiring. That's right. So employee branding actually is both inside and outside. It actually starts inside. Typically when I tell my clients, right? It's an inside out approach where first and foremost, do your employees believe in your brand first? Mm. Do they believe that this is an authentic brand that they're proud of mm. to then want to advocate on your behalf? Mm. Right? Without which if you just focus on external, what happens is that, you know, in, uh, I think it's Hokkien, right? We say picha lobang, right? <laughs> right.
1: Okay, let's explain. Picha lobang means like the cat is let out of the bag when people realize you're not what you say you are, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah right. So typically you see, right, in a corporate setting, right? Why do employees leave an organization in a very short period of time? Let's say three months, six months, even a year, for example. That's because, right, the expectation is really high from an employee branding perspective. You oversell them. Mm. When they come in, what they see the reality itself is much lower. That's right. That gap is essentially the frustration point where it leads to people leaving the company. So hence, when you talk about employee branding, both internally and externally, it has to be able to be delivered by the organization Mm. and it has to be authentic. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Unlike most people, what most people think, But it has to be authentic, has to be something you're able to deliver, has to be consistent. Mm. All these things are very important because we all know, right? For brand itself, it's so difficult to build. It takes months, it takes years, even decades to build. But one moment, one bad review on Glassdoor, social media, one person spreading very loudly about you know the the, the brand itself can destroy the brand overnight. And it takes Mm. a lot of effort to salvage the brand. So that's why employee branding is not just external, but also internally. And it starts internally, in my opinion.
1: Got it. Okay, so why not let's dive straight into today's topic, right? So first of all, Mm. we
0: we talk about branding. Like what's your definition of a brand? For me, I I guess there's a lot of definition, right? But Mm. for me, essentially, it's about the trust. Do people trust this person, this product, this company, right? At the core of it to me is trust. Whether it's personal brand, employer brand, corporate brand. Because if I don't trust your brand, there's no way I'm going to engage you. There's no way I'm going to even give you a chance, right? For me to listen to what you have. I love that. So brand equals
1: trust, right? Now, then the question is, um, how does storytelling plays a big part in creating trust towards a brand?
0: I would say storytelling, essentially, to me, it, it creates that emotional aspect of the trust element, right? So very often when we talk about facts, let's say about employer branding, we create that trust from a very objective standpoint, rational standpoint, that I'm a subject matter expert. But if everyone is a subject matter expert, right? How do you stand out? Exactly. It's then when you bring a bit of storytelling to kind of frame the message in a different way to trigger certain emotions that people can relate to.
1: Got it. So what I'm hearing from you is that storytelling bring out the emotional aspect of the trust.
2: Hmm.
1: And we all know this, emotions are powerful, right? It actually drives decision-making. So would you give us uh, maybe two examples? Okay, one, let's give a corporate example. Mm. uh, And then after that, we give a personal example. Because there are two groups of people listening to you right now. There are, you know, the corporate leaders and agency leaders as well, right? That means uh, they're they're trying to build their own brand for their agencies. Mm. Okay, but we also have individuals like myself and entrepreneurs. So maybe we start with uh, corporate. What would be a good corporate example of a good story well told?
0: I think corporate examples, you can always think about from a CSR angle, right? Mm. Typically, corporates love to use that angle where it's about giving back. It's about purpose. It's about beyond that the P&L. Mm. So in particular, you realize that a lot of corporates in the, the spaces that are detrimental to environment, for example, your tobacco, let's say oil and gas and stuff like that, typically do a lot of things in the CSR space, corporate social responsibility space, mm. because they want to show that, you know, despite they do all this, they, they, they try to give back to the society, the community itself. And that's a way to kind of soften the damage, essentially, right? So that's one way they can tell a story using that softer element. Mm. The element that may not be directly related to their work scope, but tying back to the brand identity. Okay. That despite me supposedly doing things that are harmful, right? I'm still doing good to offset, to compensate. And this is is highlighted in some sense, you see. Does it work? In the past, I think it helps in some sense because CSR wasn't a big thing. Yes. Increasingly, when the level playing field is now kind of equalized, Yeah people are starting to see through this a little bit more, whether or not you're authentic, whether or not yeah, it's Yeah, because
1: the, the last thing you want to do is to kind of use CSR as just a marketing tool, right? Absolutely. And, and absolutely. as you said that, it might backfire. Yeah, yeah. How do we make sure that doesn't, we're not seen that way?
0: I think it really goes with the fact that, you know, how do you work with your employees as advocates for all this storytelling, right? Because storytelling doesn't have to just come from one person or one specific department. Mm. Most people assume that for corporate, stories have to come from corporate comms. It has to be sensitized. You have to be crafted very beautifully, perfectly. It works in the past. But in these days, when we look at social media, look at corporate messages, people don't really like such things. Mm. It's more for your corporate reporting typically. Mm. What has worked really, really well these days when I work with clients is that you talk about brand advocacy, talk about employee advocates essentially. These are people that truly believe and embody your message that are out there being your spokesperson. I mean, you can really tell, right? From a corporate comms perspective, it's like very rounded, very nicely sounded essentially. But from employee point of view, it may sound a bit more raw, but you can feel the emotions. You can feel whether or not they truly believe in what a company is doing. And that's why it's so powerful from one perspective, the emotion perspective. The other perspective, then imagine, is it more powerful for one person to tell a story from a corporate perspective? Or is it more powerful, right? To have multiple people across the organization, even outside the organization, telling your story. So obviously, you want to have brand advocates. You want people to tell your story on your behalf. So it because it's more trustworthy, it becomes more authentic and it becomes more relatable essentially.
1: Got it. So let me see if I, if I understand where you're going. So we're talking about corporate storytelling, right? That we're trying, trying to tell stories so that we can get our candidates mm. to be emotionally connected to our company. And one traditional way that we do that is by saying, look, there are all the people that we help. All right. We, we are doing a lot of good work for the society. But we we both agree that you know, if you overdo this, it just seemed like a marketing too. So the better thing to do is rather than have CopCom tell the story of a company, we want all our employees hmm. to be able to tell the, the story of the company. It's
0: like word of mouth marketing, right? Maybe I'll just add on to that point first, right? So typically what we can consider doing is that comps can still play a role or even HR play a role to shape the overall messaging. So for hmm. example... The key value proposition to external stakeholders is let's say we have a family culture, we believe in a learning culture, we have a growth opportunity for example, right? So what you do is you give them a broad frame to say these are main topics or main things we want to advocate about Mm. and employees then use their own lens to interpret, to then share their personal stories to make this powerful and more rounded.
1: So in other words, the company will set the direction of the message that what do we want people to remember us by? And then our employees will then tell personal stories to reinforce that it's true. Yes. Let's say we're running an agency. There's mm. a lot of people listening to us. They, they are entrepreneurs. They are from the insurance, real estate, or network marketing businesses. Mm. So they have, um, you know, 50, 100, 200 agents under them. Okay. So we need to help them craft an agency brand story first, right? Mm. Yeah. How? What's a process that
0: you go through to help them identify that story? I would say it all starts from having that clarity, right? So from an employee branding perspective, we always talk about EVP, employee value proposition, Mm. right? So why is it important? Because first and foremost, you need to do a stock take to understand what are your strengths, what can you actually offer first? Because most people start from a point where I just want to blast on social media, right? Just like anyone else to ensure that I have a voice out there. But, having a voice that's not clear creates confusion, becomes a noise Mm. and doesn't attract the right people to you essentially. Mm. Because essentially what you're trying to attract is not just the best talent but the best fit talent. Mm. That one is really, really important. So typically what we consider is then first and foremost look inwards to identify, have a clarity in terms of what your EVP is first. Right? So that's usually a process where you do a bit of a basic audit, talking to employees, getting some external survey, internal survey to extract a little bit of the key highlights. So for example, like I said, it can be a learning culture. It can be great managers. It can be, let's say, um, you know, flexible working hours that people typically like, right? Mm. The next step we can then think about. So based on the context that we have internally and externally, right? How do I frame all these keywords, all this interpretation to make sense to the target audience, Mm. So let's say we talk about learning culture. Internally, that's something people like. How do we amplify it? Mm. Showing more stories, more examples, right? To showcase that that's really a strong learning culture. So constantly, people get reminded that the learning culture is something that I really value. I mean, it's human nature that we always complain about things that don't work out. Yep. Back in my previous company, it was, really good in terms of benefits, but people always complain about the the small items, right? Why do we not have this? Why is the Adcon too cold and stuff like that? But people don't leave. Why? Because there's a lot more better stuff happening, right? And people often forget about good stuff until you nudge them as and when there's an opportunity. There's a touch point, essentially, to remind them of all these good things that's happening. So that's one internally, right? Mm. Externally is then understanding the different personas of your target audience. So for example, let's say I'm looking at tech people. Mm. The way tech people look for job opportunity versus, let's say, a, a salesperson is very different. A salesperson, first and foremost, obviously, I'm looking at whether or not I have the opportunity to earn more money, right? Mm. The Sales incentives and stuff like that. Tech people look for exciting projects that they can work on, mm. right? So, it's a little bit different. I mean, in a very simplistic setting itself, yeah. right? So, how you frame that learning culture will be very, very different. So, for example, for the salesperson, mm. a learning culture would then say that, okay, we constantly help you become a better salesperson to constantly you know, improve your target hitting, improve your sales ability. And with all these success stories through the learning culture, this is where you know, this person became from a C to A player, for example. Mm. Right? So that's one example. From a tech perspective is that you know, we have people who started as a very basic tech developer who can, let's say, only do the, the back end development. But because of learning culture, he could eventually do the front end. He became a leader within the tech team itself and created a product that was an award-winning product, for example, right? So you got to frame it in a way where it makes I sense. I love that.
1: it. And, and you're looking at it from recruitment point of view, but we can also then look at it from a business marketing point of view that if my company culture is growth-oriented, learning-oriented, then I can now tell my clients that, hey, we are constantly growing as a company, which means that our ideas will always be innovative
0: and will always be ahead of the trend, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, and essentially, just to add on to Eric's point, right, is that, you know, when you think of a brand, right, most people segregate your, your personal brand, employee brand, corporate brand, all separately, Yeah. right? So like, let's say, does corporate brand, HR does employer brand, and individuals manage their personal mm-hmm. brand. But it's wrong, right? Because essentially, a brand is a brand, right? Think about this, right? Recently, there's the AirAsia saga, where the, the Thai CEO was throwing the F-bomb on the employee in the private town hall, and it was blasted across social media. Oops. Because of that, you know, you see a lot of sentiments that people say, hey, I'm no no longer going to fly Air Asia and stuff like that. But that was employer-related stuff. How did it go to the the commercial side, company side, right? It's because it's closely tied. It's a brand, right? If you don't like a brand from an employer side, likelihood is that you no longer like the products, at least for the time being, right? That's the initial emotions that's triggered. If you don't like, let's say, a specific telco that I shall not name, right, for example, chances are... If there's a job opening there, you tell your kid, you tell your friends, don't join. You know this company sucks because
1: right? I don't like the product, and therefore I don't want you to join. Precisely, company.
0: precisely. There's a bad association, right? Oh my right?
1: god! So that trust triangle is there, right? Which is the company, the products, and the employees. Absolutely, it's all related. And, and then keyword that joins all of them together is how do I feel whenever I think about that brand, right? And now what I've learned from you is when it comes to communicating our being able to craft stories, step number one is, first of all, know your authentic strengths, Mm. right? And so best is to ask your employees what those are and then be able to find good examples Mm. to share it with the different target market. Now, technical question. Sure. We're
0: going to do that through storytelling, Mm. right? Now, first of all, what makes a good story? I'll say a good story is able to capture your attention throughout the entire story Mm -hmm. and also evokes emotion. I think the difference between a story and a regular passage that you read, right, is that, a regular passage is just very technical. It's just dry, which is why we don't like read textbooks typically, right? We like to read comics. We like to watch movies. yeah, Because it evokes emotions. It makes you excited, makes you sad, makes you frustrated even. Mm. So I think the key difference between a, a a story and anything else that's plain is really about the emotions that it triggers, that connects with you, that you feel that you're part of it, right? Mm. I think a good storyteller is able to bring someone on a journey where it's not just telling their personal story, but bring you through a journey where... Through my lens, you can see yourself, mm. you know, and you really feel that someone understands me. Mm. That is very important actually when it comes to storytelling.
1: Okay, so is there a structure that we can follow, you know, let's say for a company's point of view, like the company's trying to tell its story. Again, let's go back to learn uh, growth and learning, right? Maybe that's the unique selling point. Okay. So how would you coach that guy to
0: tell a good story about its learning culture? Okay, let's assume we're trying to frame this to a salesperson, right? Mm. Let's say, right, how do I sell this role to mm. the salesperson. I think first and foremost, we start off with a, what we call a story gap. A story gap essentially is like a pinpoint, it's like a purpose. What was what, bothering the individual? So for example, that salesperson is constantly not hitting target or doesn't know where to start, right? So you can start off the story by asking the person, you know, what if, you know, there's a place where it can help you grow safely to become a better salesperson and eventually hit your target that you can provide, you know, great things for your family to provide for them, essentially the comfortable life, right? Essentially addressing a few things, right? One is then you're telling him or her that you can solve a problem that's bothering that person very strongly. Second thing is that you're giving the person hope as well, right? Painting an end goal. Mm. You know, imagine if you do well, this is what you can provide for your family or even for yourself. The next part is then you can go into what's what we call context setting or building up to the story itself, right? Mm. So the first one, the story gets something like a hook. Mm. How do you capture the attention? How do you make them bite? Mm. So the what's in it for them has to be very, very strong. For them to want to listen to that story. Absolutely. That's okay. the first part. Because feeling which, I'll just zone out. I won't be interested. I'll just, mm. it's okay. I'll just pass, you know, mm. kind of thing, right? So that's the first part. So the next part is then you've got to substantiate your point because now you set expectations higher already, right? The story gap is essentially, in Chinese, we call it tease you, right? Tease you. tease you, make you feel like, you know, it's something I really want to find out more, Correct. right? So the next part is how do you then build up? How do you set the context? How do you give more examples to substantiate that promise, mm. essentially? So it can be in terms of, okay, this is what we have, right? For example, you can share a story of how person A from the past developed to this 2.0 version that I always talk about. Mm -hmm. So let's say Eric used to be a very shy guy. You Mm. know, he used to be unable to sell anything for three consecutive months. Mm. But because of learning culture, he had a good mentor that guided him, that sheltered him. And guess what? Now he's a top sales after just two years, for example. Mm. How did he go through this whole process? He went through A, B, C, D. And that's like the build-up, that's the context. That's essentially the, the whole G's you're trying to sell to the person, right? Mm. And finally, the last step is then how do you have that call to action? Correct. Why? Because you can have a best hope to capture attention. You can build up to convince the person, but if you don't tell them exactly what you want them to do, Yeah, that was the point of the story, yeah, right? There's no action happening, yeah. right? It's just a feel-good, like, okay, thank you. I feel good, I feel inspired, but that's about it. Yeah. So at the end of it, you need to let them know what you want them to do, right? So essentially, is it about joining me, right? Let's make this happen together. I think at the end of it, typically one of the ways that I always believe in is, but how do you create that, that hope, that inspiration for people? I think in today's DNA with social media, there's a lot of negativity involved, mm. right? There's a lot of, you know, people trolling each other, a lot of negative comments, like Olympics, for example, right? Joseph schooling, or even people getting bronze, getting, you know, shame and stuff yeah. like that. People are looking for positive energy, mm. right? So how do you constantly create that inspiration for them? How do you give them that positive vibes that, okay, this is a place that I see some hope, mm. And if I join this place, I feel that I will be someone positive. I can do good things, not mm. just for myself, but if you can make it, frame it in a way where it's also for others. Mm. That's a plus that's a plus point, essentially. So if I can have three basic steps, right? First is create a story gap. Second part is how do you build up to the whole story to substantiate the story gap? Mm-hmm. And finally, a call to action. Mm. Three simple steps I can consider.
1: Fantastic. Wow, that was a lot to take and uh, it's really good stuff. So, so far we have covered a lot about Employer branding and recruitment, right? That means how do you use stories to get a potential candidate to come and join us as a company? Mm. Now let's move into sales. Okay. How do stories
0: play a part in sales? (laughs) I love to share this simple example about myself, right? Because since I started my my journey about four years ago, I became essentially like a salesperson as well as an entrepreneur, right? That's right. Yeah. So this story I always love to share is that in my first few years, even until now, I don't actively sell any services. I always focus on giving value, telling my stories about who I am, my journey, and, and basically thought leadership essentially on social media. And what happened was, one day, right, I decided to just um, ping one of my followers. His name is Sean. He's a good friend of mine from Under Armour. Mm. So recently he just moved to Hong Kong. He got promoted. So back then when he was still in Singapore, what happened was, I reached out to him just to say, okay, thank you for supporting me. And you know, um, if you'd like to catch up with coffee, you know, let's, let's catch up. There was no specific agenda to sell anything, but it's just like, meeting a like-minded friend, someone who has been supporting me, let, let's catch up. Within an hour, he replied. He said, let's catch up next week. So what happened was a week later, we met at his office cafe, was downstairs at Suntech. We catch up. The first thing he said was "They say, said, Sam, you know, typically, right, when a service provider or vendor texts me or drop me a message, I usually just ignore. Mm. But you're different. So even though you are now a service provider, it's different because it seems like I know you for a long time already. Why? Why does he say that? Why does he say that he knows you for a long time? He has been following me for social media for probably about a year. He has seen my growth, my journey, my thoughts, and he felt that we could connect. So that was a big part where he accepted my so-called invitation, right? To kind of meet up. And over the next 30 minutes or so, we chatted, you know, just like we're we old friends. Like, you know, I know this about you. I heard about this. You no, know, just chat a little bit. And about 40 minutes later, he asked me this question. Sam, can you tell me a bit more about what do you do and how can I help you? How can you helped him or how? He helped me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So at a point of time, I was thinking like, okay, typically I don't, you know, typically Asians, we feel very shy. We don't like to ask for favors. But I think there's a good value in asking for things as well. Exactly. Right? So I just said that at that point of time, I was struggling. So Stories of Asia, what happened was that was about two to three months before Stories of Asia is going to be launched. That was probably somewhere in April, May or so, mm. two years ago. Very quickly, tell us what Story of Asia Stories of Asia is a storytelling incubator that I created, mm. right, to help people find their voice, you know, through storytelling. Okay, got it. To be able to communicate their own personal brand. Essentially. essentially okay, got it. For corporates to find a corporate brand, essentially. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. So back then, SOA was about to launch in about two to three months' time. We actually had a big corporate partner, Global MNC, which I shall not name, that agreed to be our launch partner. So it's supposed to launch at the office. Back then, before COVID, we can launch there, right? They ghosted on us. It was damn scary because it's like, I emailed, I called, I texted, totally no reply. Big global brand. Yes, yes. And I was panicking because without a a launch partner, it's going to look really bad, right? How do we launch it? So I told Sean about this situation. Immediately, he said, let's do this together. So long story short, because of that, we were able to launch SOA very successfully. I think it was about 50 private guests because we launched it at their retail store. It was pretty cool, right? And I called him my knight in Under Armour. <laughs> so that was an overused joke that I used for quite a while time. I love it.
1: Knight in Under Armour. Yeah, you love so it fun. too, right? I
0: love it too, yeah.
1: Got it. So now, you, what you just shared with us is a demonstration of a good story, right? You set up the problem, which is, you know, you were struggling at a SOA and your end goal was to be successful. And you show us a whole journey of how you able to patch the gap through somebody who helped you, right? A knight in Under Armour. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now. So I'm going to break down this whole entire learning, okay? The reason why a high-ranking officer in a a big global brand is willing to help you is because he said that, I felt like I've already known you. Hmm. Because he has been following you so much on social media. He followed your journey. He followed your thoughts. So tell us, what have you done right on social media
0: to be able to earn his trust that he will be able to come and help you? I think the first thing is really about not selling. On social media. On social media not selling a product, not selling services, right? I think that is one part that created a strong brand for me where I attracted a lot of like-minded people to me, Mm. right? What I was selling was about my ideology, was about my values, was about my beliefs, essentially, right? Who Sam Neal stands for, you know, right? So because of that, he got attracted to to me. He believed in who I am. We kind of connected. And that opened up opportunities to have further conversation. Because imagine if I started just selling, okay, I, I do consulting service. This service is important and stuff like that. It's a straight turnoff, essentially. It's just an advertisement. Yeah, you're selling a product and service. Yeah. And it's cold. It doesn't connect people emotionally. Probably the you know, only emotion is frustration, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like seeing too much frustration, right? But in that, it doesn't create a positive energy, that positive emotion that you want. I mean, think of it as branding and storytelling. It's just like dating, right? You need to create a positive energy. Someone needs to like you first, to trust you, that yeah. you're a decent person before we have a second date, third date, Correct. and eventually talk about getting married or Correct. whatever it is. So likewise on social media as well, what has worked is that, being myself, that's one, right? Not selling anything and also taking the effort to take the relationship online to offline. Mm. I think that's something that a lot of people miss where they focus only on building their brand online, having followers, having all that, that clicks, all that likes, that shares, but they forget about that human connection. I think one interesting thing to think about is social media, right? It's supposed to be social. <laughs> it's not supposed to be one way. It's supposed yeah. to be a, a platform for us to, to connect, to build relationships and not just for us to self-promote. Yes. I think it has become a platform for most people to self-promote only without thinking about how can I connect further? How can I use this as an opportunity to know that person better even? It's not all about yourself. You know, a good brand starts from understanding who the audience is and giving the value to the person instead of just self-promoting. I think that's a very common mistake. That's a big pinpoint actually.
1: Okay, so now you have teased out two, two very important strategies, okay? Step number one is You said that you use social media to tell the world about what Sam is all about, right? And then step number two is you must turn an online connection to an offline connection. Okay, so we're going to cover these two things, okay? (laughs) Hey, this is Eric here. Just dropping in to check in on you. Are you getting value so far from this interview? Because if you are, I'm very happy for you, and I'm really curious to know what are some of the key takeaways. So after the interview, go to social media, screenshot your learnings, and tag me, right, so that we can connect. Okay, okay. I'm gonna leave you to listen to the rest of the interview. Enjoy. So. Imagine if someone listening to us right now wants to build his personal brand or her personal brand on a social media platform, okay? What would be a framework you can give him so that he can introduce himself or herself into the social media world? Because you bring out some keywords, ideologies, thoughts, values. Walk us through the process.
0: I think similar, right? Personal brand, employer brand, it starts from having that clarity, right? So instead of just going social media, trying and blast every single thing or try and copy every single one out there, it's not going to help. It starts from having that personal audit. So employer branding side, you have that, employer branding audit, personal branding wise, have a personal audit. Usually what I do from a coaching perspective, I start from this simple framework called Visa with a double A. Okay, Visa, double A. Come tell us what So is it? V stands for values, right? What is really important to you? What do you not want to compromise no matter what? That's the first thing you think about. That's V. I is actually interest. What motivates you on a day-to-day basis that keeps you going and something that you're passionate about, right? S is actually strengths. What comes naturally to you? What are you good at doing? What do people normally say? Hey, Eric, you're very good at doing this, for example, right? So that's your strength. How do you play to your strength? First A is then aspiration. So aspiration is not a typical HR question, right? Where do you see yourself in 10 years, <laughs> right? But rather, if you just close your eyes and visualize today, right? What does success look like? What, what do you see? Do you see like, you know, um, you relaxing on the beach? Do you see yourself having a happy family? Do you see yourself being financially independent? What is it, right? So that's what success means. And that's the aspirational aspect of it. Finally, A is then once you have your aspirations, once you have your VRS, what's the action plan? How do you get there? Right? And the getting there part will then help you decipher you know, what are some content you can create, what are some bite-sized things you can talk about to slowly build up that journey towards that. So I think you know, all these are a starting point to give you a clarity, right? Because typically what people think of is, okay, my end goal is let's say I want to be a CEO by 40, for example. Within one year, I'm not getting closer to a CEO. I feel like I'm a failure. Mm. I, I did nothing. There's nothing I can talk about. But if you have this V-I-S-A-A, right? And you can break it down in smaller, what we call career building blocks. So for example, to become a CEO, what do I need? I need to be, let's say, a good public speaker. I need to have good financial acumen. I need to have good people relationship skills, for example. These are small building blocks. And these are things that help you achieve in a shorter time and let you see that you're actually progressing Mm. closer to your goal, essentially. So with that, you actually feel that I'm getting closer and closer to my end goal, the aspiration part. You feel good about yourself. And that's where constantly you have different stories you can tell on your journey itself.
2: Oh
1: my God! So the so okay. See, just my bugging question was: Wait, you you're asking yourself audit, but how do we communicate it? Mm. Values is easy, yep. right? Once you're very certain on what you stand for, yep. you can communicate it through your day to day experiences, right? Interests also very simple, strengths as well. But I was actually puzzled about the A. Like, how do I communicate aspiration? So we don't really communicate aspiration. We communicate the journey towards.
0: Our aspirations. I guess to some extent, you can also communicate your aspiration in terms of what's my vision, right? Mm. For example, like SOA is about creating, you know, a platform for Asian the Asian community to have a voice, yeah. right? To unlock opportunities. For example, that's a vision. For example, Correct. right. But how do I get there? It's constantly through the things that I do. So, like you said, we can document the journey to see how we're getting closer to the aspiration. But we can constantly remind people what the aspiration point is because when you have that big goal, that big aspiration itself, it actually attracts like minded people. I think that's the power of brand, right? Where you have a bigger, something bigger than yourself, something that's bigger than what you do essentially at this moment, it attracts like-minded people. Okay. So I'm going to again, put you to a test. Okay.
1: And, and this is really powerful because what I've learned from you right now is the self-audit, mm. right? And, and actually at the core of personal branding and self-awareness. So now let's try, okay? So say for example, my value, um,
0: I value growth. Okay. Okay. Now, how do I communicate that on a social media platform? through your content, right? You can constantly show things that promotes growth. For example, today I'm, I'm picking up podcasts, right? So that's one thing that I, a new skill I'm picking up for this year. That's part of growth, right? Or within even the podcast space, for example, I've learned something from my new guest today, Sam, for example, or someone else that, you know, it's a new point that adds on to my my set, my toolkit, essentially. That is growth, right? So essentially you have a core topic of growth, but you can use different walks of life, different inspirations across the different touch points in your life to bring out that growth element.
1: Which means that once I get clear of my value, I just need to look for evidence around me to be able to communicate that particular value. Yes. So like if it's growth, then I look for evidence that have I grown? If I've grown, I'll share what is my growth journey. How did I grow, right? Essentially. Or how have I grown? Or if I read an article in my process of growing, and I think this is interesting for others, I share that too. And that will bring other growth-oriented people to me. Yep. What about interest? Let's say my interest is something very random. I'm very interested in uh, hiking. Mm. which is not, not
0: work-related, how would you
1: put that on social
0: media? So typically, it goes back to analogy, right? So let's say hiking. Well, what are some things you can learn from hiking that applies to your personal life? For example, determination. Mm. You get tired along the way, oh, right?
1: Absolutely. right. Yeah. So
0: you need to kind of, you know, push through and stuff like that. Or as an entrepreneur, sometimes, you can't just keep climbing, right? You need to take breaks as well. Water breaks, pee breaks, whatever break it is. Similar, right? And how do you, along the journey from the base camp, for example, all the way to the peak, There is that personal growth, that personal realization, right? What did I learn about myself? Did I learn that I can actually do more than what I expected? Did I learn more about what friendship is all about? Did I learn about what determination actually means, for example? All this is part of growth, actually. Okay, fantastic.
1: Let's say S, which is strengths, right? So let's say one of my strengths is I love connecting with people. Like I'm good at connecting with people. How do we communicate that strength
0: on social media? So one very simple way is then, you know, through connecting different people, like let's say two of us, right? I've learned something from you. Mm. For example, that is one thing they constantly talk about. Because if your strengths are connecting people, your content can constantly talk about how you connect different like-minded people oh and God. share their stories. Even so, yeah. personal branding or even branding itself, it's not always about shining a light on yourself. In fact, the powerful part is about how you shine a light on others. That becomes very valuable, actually. That's beautiful.
1: And then the last one is, let's say my action, my sorry, my aspiration is, you know, I wanna, I wanna be a person of influence. Mm. right? And uh, you said action plan. So part of my action plan to be a person of influence is, you know, meeting other people who are already people of influence. Mm. So how do I translate that on social? Actually, before we go there, right, I'll then ask this person, right? Why do you want to be a person of influence? Uh, Which is how you communicate your aspiration, which is the why you want it. Got it. And every step of the way where I am there, I can share. Or I'm not there, I can share what I've
0: learned. Because what we learn, right, along the way when I do all this coaching consulting is that a lot of times people tell you they want to be of influence, a CEO, for example, but that's not really the thing that they really want. That's an underlying reason. So for example, right, like you said, a CEO could be because you want to be personal influence. Correct. Why? Because you want to create bigger impact. Yes. Why? Because creating more impact, you know, you feel proud of yourself. Why do you want to feel proud of yourself? Because you want your family to feel proud of yourself, right? So essentially, we talk about the five whys, right? After every answer you ask a why, yeah. you probably can decipher a little bit at the core of it, what the true value, what the true aspiration is, as a result of becoming a CEO, becoming a person of influence.
1: And I i mean, through this exercise, I saw the pattern, I saw the main common theme, which is the minute we identify our visa, all we need to do is leverage on stories to communicate every aspect of that. Precisely. And that itself is already our, our content strategy, mm. uh, whether is it for a company or whether is it for a individual brand. Okay, so we cover a very big part, right? Now, let's say I do that on a consistent basis and constantly adding the, the people that I want to connect with. My next step now is, you said this, how do we turn that connection, that online connection to an offline connection?
0: So typically what I do is I always observe, right, people that, you know, have been supporting me, people that are engaging me, whether or not they are client, poten- potential clients or not, for example. So I'll just drop them a message to thank them. And I always make a conscious effort as much as possible to reply every single comment mm. as much as possible, right, to then just at least, at the very least, thank them, you know. And drop private messages to those who have been really following me or supporting me in different ways to just connect further. I think these are good ways to actually further the relationship. So that's one thing. The other thing is then when you bring it offline, whether it's a Zoom call in this day and age or actually a coffee chat, focus on not selling. I think the tendency is as a salesperson typically yeah, you I like I have a product to sell, a service to sell, very eager to come from a mouth, exactly. right? But, but it's very difficult. So exactly, I think my advice to even my team as well is typically in the first meeting, just focus on getting to know the person better. And trying to build a likability. Okay, so you mentioned two things. Walk us through how. So number one, how do you make a person like you? I think by by showing that, you know, you care for that person, by showing that you actually care about what the person stands for, that's very important. So don't go in a meeting, trying to tell the person everything about yourself. Mm. Go in as an active listener. I think that's very important, right? You listen more than you speak. That's where people always say, we had a very good conversation. So be genuinely interested in a person. Yes. Can I add my spin to that?
1: I have three questions that I teach my mentees to ask, right? I don't know if it works. I always say step number one, ask them, what is a goal that you set for yourself in 2021? Mm. Then number two is, why do you set that goal? Ask a few series of why, like you said, to uncover that person's value. And then ask the person, what's the biggest roadblock you're facing right now that's preventing you from achieving that goal? Mm. And then you go do whatever it takes to help them solve that problem. Do you think that would be a
0: good way to add value to the person? I think it depends on how you put it across. Mm. I think the questions are great. It's just a matter of how you put it across mm. because I think Eric is season very seasoned, right? Yeah. So it sounds very smooth. But <laughs> yeah. if someone who's trying this for the first time, perhaps it may sound a little bit deliberate. Mm. And I think when you sound too deliberate, it's too prepared. Yeah. And the person don't feel genuine, right? How do you make it like part of the conversation? I would say having a structure is great, but you still have to understand, you know, what works best for the mm. situation itself, right? So if that person is very chatty and stuff, just let them talk, right? If the is very quiet, maybe you start having a bit of a conversation, mm. a bit of a stories to connect further and try to find a common topic, something, a baseline. I think the baseline mm. is very important, right? Common interest, right? So when you talk about mirroring techniques, one of the key things is then how do you mirror common experience and interest?
1: Common experience, common interest. And it's easy to find that through LinkedIn these days or even Instagram because if I follow you enough, I roughly know what you care about. Like, let's assume, okay, that I'm trying to connect with Sam for the first time. Number one, Sam posts a lot of Instagram stories about his son, right? So therefore, if I am a father, then we would definitely talk about fatherhood. How do we balance between that, right? Number two, I know you are a huge fan of storytelling, which is also the reason why I brought you to the studio. So therefore, a second piece of topic we can talk about is storytelling, right? And then what you're saying is that in the process of creating common ground, I then
0: figure out what you're working on and how I can be of value to you. Yeah, don't, don't jump straight in my opinion, right? Because if you jump straight, it comes across as too deliberate. It comes across as too orchestrated in mm. some sense. But just a, a word of caution as well, right? Yes. So let's say you know that, for example, I'm a father, right? I care yeah. a lot about my son and stuff. You jump in and talk about fatherhood topic, right? I think that's fine. That's a common topic, for example, assuming Correct. you a son, right? But there was one incident that was a bit more creepy. So the guy, he's like, he, he claims to be a debt printer as well. People like this debt printer term, right? Which I, I put on LinkedIn. He just asked me a few questions like, you know, how are you doing? How many kids do you have? So I just answered one kid and stuff. Do you plan to have a next kid soon and stuff like that? So it started becoming a bit creepy. It's like, I don't know you well enough. Why are you digging into my personal life so much, right? So I think yeah. when you connect with an individual, you also have to sense a little bit about the comfort level mm. and move slowly, not too aggressively, right? So even if you want to talk about, let's say fatherhood, move into something too private unless the person starts talking about certain things that are very private. Because everyone has different comfort level. The last thing you want is to intrude in a privacy level that's uncomfortable. After spending so much time building that trust. Yeah. The trust can be broken quite immediately actually like wow. immediately as well. Yeah. So how
1: do we how do we make sure that we don't we don't end up asking questions. I think the first meeting, play safe.
0: I always say play safe in the first meeting, right? Mm. Just focus on understanding the person better, try to create a bit of likability in terms of the common topics. Just be genuinely, just be genuinely interested. And try to add value, share a bit of your experience that you have, that you've gone through, just to build that initial connection, right? Mm. And then once you have that sense, you know, how deep can you go? And then second meeting will be a better time to go a little bit deeper and to push a little bit further in terms of the boundaries itself. First meeting, typically I would say, keep it a bit safer, a bit cordial, but be sincere. Definitely. I think that's important.
1: Got it. Oh my God. I love this. This is powerful. I mean, we will do a summary later on. Uh, It's our tradition to kind of uh, do a podcast summary, but I just want to say I learned two very big things from you. Number one is I've learned how to tell my brand story using Visa, Mm. right? That's one. Number two, I also know how to tell a success story. Now you might frame it as employer branding, but I see it as a success story, Mm. which actually we can use as a salesperson. We can tell client success stories, right? Or if I'm a company, I can tell my employee success story, Yep. right? So um, wait for the summary at the end, okay? Uh, final question for you. Could you tell me that, you know, what is the one thing that you did right that led you to be highly sought after, you know, in your field of uh, corporate branding? Because it's very clear. I read your LinkedIn recommendations, you know, uh, I mean the big brands do go out for you and they like you, hmm. right? And you're not a big consultancy firm, right? You're local and we support local, yes. But I'm just wondering, what's your secret sauce? Like, what do you think is
0: that one thing you did that make you highly sought after in the corporate branding field? To me, it's consistency, actually. You know, building a brand is not overnight. I think a lot of people try to just have that overnight fireworks, just hoping that certain videos, certain content goes viral and that's about it. Or I just hope that, someone sees this, I get engaged for a project and that's overnight success, which Mm. social media typically tells such stories or the impression Mm. is like as such, right? Behind the scenes, there's a lot of consistency, a lot of hard work. I mean, I post pretty much every single day. I try to engage people on a daily basis and that's hard work over the past four plus years. Yeah, and how do you create love for that? Because, you know, not all of us
1: probably love creating content. Mm. Not all of us love connecting with people. Yet we know that these are two very essential core skills if you want to be successful in
0: the long run. How can we nurture the love for these two things? It really ties back, at least for me, right? It ties back to why am I doing this, right? Yeah, so so I don't constantly remind myself, but when I get tired, I think about why do I even start doing this? in Why? First place. Why do you want to do all these things? For me, I, I believe a lot in creating the Asian voice, a lot in the people enablement space, right? That there's a lot more potential that people can do, whether it's a HR space or non-HR space. And I really see that things that I'm doing constantly has impact on people's life, right? Developing people in different ways, whether it's through mentorship, through programs that we run, through that coaching, consulting. Seeing that gives me a lot of energy. And I constantly remind myself, no matter how tired or how frustrated I may be certain clients even at times, right? These are things that keeps me going. And constantly by sharing all these messages, there are people out there looking forward to this content, this inspiration event, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So that's what keeps me going to some extent. I love that. So knowing your why.
1: And another follow-up question, right? Today we talk about communicating our individual brand, but Mm. don't forget a lot of entrepreneurs, right? We also have companies and we need to communicate our company brand. So wouldn't that be double work? Because I need to communicate my brand on LinkedIn with my face, Mm. my name. And then I'm also the CEO of a company, which
0: means I need to communicate my company brand. How do we balance this two? So like I said at the beginning, right? You know, your personal brand, company brand is actually closely knitted, closely Mm. tied together. So think about this, right? You think about companies like virgin you think about richard branson yes you think about amazon you think about jeff Bezos. yeah you think about let's say um alibaba i think about jack ma for example right and all these are big companies there are many individuals there there are many executives but you think about this so-called talent magnets essentially right that attracts talent that attracts all the attention so essentially as a ceo of a company your brand becomes a lot more important because you're like the face of the company to some extent right if you're able to build a strong brand where people believe in you, people get inspired. It helps to grow the company brand because there's association there. But does the company brand need to create its own set of content as well? I would say yes. So how I see this is this, right? When I first started out, you know, I was thinking, which route should I go? Company yes. brand, personal brand? Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's a typical dilemma typical question. question, right? Yeah. So I started building both first, <laughs> but then I realized that personal brand was going up a lot faster, mm. right? So that's why I started taking a backseat for the company brand and use my personal brand to promote my company brand. And it's okay for a person to promote different companies. Like I I
1: represent different companies. Yep. So how do I be able to sell different companies? In different contexts. Got it. So different stories that I share, I would drive attention to the different projects
0: I'm working on, the different companies I'm working on. But then I think one important thing is then think of what ties all these brands together, right? So for example, I have Mentality which is consulting, right? Stories of Asia, which is a storytelling incubator, like a media company. StoryBuddy is a tech company. But essentially, all things that add up is about storytelling. It's about enabling people. So that's the common topic that we talk about and different shapes and form, different contexts, essentially. I love that. Wow,
1: thank you so much. This is really powerful stuff. And I know that you are launching a new tech company, right? You allude to that just now, Story buddy Could you please tell everyone listening what this whole Story buddy is?
0: So essentially, this arrived from a pain point, right? Where I felt that SOA, we wanted to help more people tell their stories, but there's only a limit how much we can do it, right? I can't go to every corner of the world to interview every single one and things like that. But what if we have a tool that can enable people to tell their stories more effectively? Because typically, we realize in the market that people don't tell stories because of three reasons, right? One is because they don't have time. One is because they don't have inspiration. They don't know where to start. The other is then I have all the ideas in the world, but I don't know how to put in proper structure. So we created StoryBuddy, an AI-powered friend, essentially, to help you tell your stories more effectively through different modes itself. So that different walks of life, different people, even non-native English speakers can start telling stories in different shapes and forms. So how does it work? Like, let's say I want to tell a story about myself. So there are different modes within the platform itself. Mm. One is then you can just have one keyword. Let's say I talk about sales. I want an inspirational quote. I just click the button. There'll be inspirational quotes coming up from there. Gosh! you can use it to start a content, a story already. That's one way. The other way is then inspiration, right? We have a persona mode where basically you shape your own persona. For example, a salesperson. I'm highly passionate. I want to talk about, let's say, promoting the importance of work-life balance with let's say family, for example, right? So I, I generate that as an objective and then a paragraph will come out and then you can use that as a way to continue creating a, a piece of content from there.
1: Fantastic. Okay, well, I sense that there are probably a lot of different other features, um, but the whole idea is to help us tell good stories. And make it very easy for you. you Consistently, yes.
0: right? And effectively. Yes. When is it going to be out? It will be out in August. So by the time you listen to this, it's probably out already. So All right. check it out. And there. we'll
1: definitely put the link in the show notes and uh, we'll, we'll definitely go check it out. You know, I just want to say thank you so much, you know, for for not just giving us the big idea, because we all know stories are powerful, but for really actually giving us the flesh, the meat of how to tell a good story as a company, how to tell a good story as an individual. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All thank right, you. hope Thanks, to sorry. see you again. S-A-M, slim Asian man. <laughs> Going a bit
0: not so slim, but let's keep give it up. Let's keep
1: it up. Yeah, up. Hi five, man. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. If you love this episode, remember to hit the follow button on Spotify or the plus button on Apple
2: Podcasts.